Well, we're just finishing out a series on this, uh, from this lovely book called Living Without Fear of Ernest Holmes. And you know, up until now, we've kind of been dealing a little bit, I would say, in the reactive mode, right? You know, how do we deal with fear? How do we transform fearful thoughts into good thoughts? How do we kind of meet, if you will, the challenges of day-to-day life? And um, we had, between Sharon and I, lots of good tools and techniques, uh, ways of dealing with it. But, but you know, I want to move into the more proactive measure of, uh, of having a better life. Do you know what I mean? I would really like on a daily basis to know that kind of I'm in charge of what's going to happen today, and I've got some ideas for how sweet it could be. All right, so that's where we're going to go today. Uh, and uh, in fact, let me start off with just a, a small quote from here, because I think this is sort of the promise that I'm talking about. Um, so Ernest says, the law is, and this, this is that law of cause and effect, right? That, that our, our thoughts outpicture in the world as, as what we see and end up interacting with. So he says, the spiritual law is, but it must be used until the time comes when we use this spiritual law consciously and constructively, we'll still be using it, but unconsciously and perhaps destructively. For every time we think, we put a seed into this law. So we should begin by weeding out all negative states of thought and learn to speak a straight affirmative language. The universal gives to us through our thoughts. Things should be, excuse me, thought should be daily directed and consciously controlled. Let me say this one again, because of course, here's the magic and here's the hard part, right? Thought should be daily directed and consciously controlled. Okay, so let's, uh, let's spend some time talking about that then. Um, what I found so interesting about the last chapters in this book is so many reference to the idea of seeds and soil, and I don't know whether it's that or, or springtime uh, beginning to bloom outside the window, or my own efforts at gardening over the last couple of weeks in the middle of the mud and with an umbrella. Um, but, but it struck me that really what Ernest Holmes talking about is kind of an extended metaphor for a beautiful garden. And where do we start when we're gardening? Ideally, we start with a plan. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I mean, there are different schools of thought on this, but I remember when I moved into my last house, and what I discovered was I was inheriting all of these plants planted, you know, 50 years ago, in some cases 100 years ago. In the case of when azalea, I mean, who even imagines azaleas get this big, right? We think of azaleas as being down here. And I had one with like nine leaves left on it <laughs> that must have been five or six feet tall. And, and, you know, I hate seeing things die, and so I even called a gardener over, and uh, uh, one of the master gardeners that will come to your house and, and take a look at things at a fairly reasonable cost. And I said, you know, my urge is just to cut it off flat at the ground. It looks pitiful, and yet something that struggled on here for a hundred years, uh, you know, I kind of hate to do that. And she said, well, you got a problem here, because probably the same year, that a hundred years ago, someone planted this azalea tree, someone also planted that tree, and 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 now they're a hundred feet tall, 
And this azalea isn't getting a speck of sunshine all year. And I hate to say it, but it's kind of like the trees or the azalea. And what I discovered was some of the things in my garden are simply not compatible with each other. And if, if we use this as a metaphor for our own thoughts and our own lives, you know, are we simply going to have our garden of handed down thoughts and ideas from our parents and our parents' parents and the people we went to school with and things like that? Because i got to tell you, if we go with that potluck, it's as though you're randomly picking plants out of a nursery and just jamming them all in the ground together. Some of them will absolutely, I guarantee, be incompatible with the life you really want to lead. So the first thing up here is really planning your garden. What is it that you want to experience in life? How do you want to experience love? You know, what level of abundance do you want to have in your life? How does peace look and harmony look in your life? What are the things, uh, and, and when I say things, you know, uh, let, let's, be, let's be big here because we have heir to the full kingdom of God and that means people and places and things and ideas and, and those just wonderful feelings of belonging and joy and peace and love and, and really, really we can choose all of this for our garden. And I even tell you that the level to which we have some specificity around it, right? Just not kind of vague urges and feelings, but real specifics around how I would like to feel and be treated in a relationship, how I would like abundance to show up in my life, what, what peace looks like, actually looks like in my life, you know? How I fit in at work and how I fit in with family and things like that. The degree which we have a plan for this garden, for this garden of our lives, then God has something to act on. We've talked before about how God in general just says yes to whatever we proclaim with some vigor and hold in our mind. And I got to tell you, right? If we want it to be a beautiful garden, then that's the picture we have to have in our mind. If we want glorious relationships and abundant living, if we want the peace and harmony of sweet families and, and loving places to work that honor and respect us, then those are the plans we need to make for our garden and with some level of detail. So that when God says yes, we can go, hey, look at this. This is like a real thing, and I am grateful for it. All right, so what's the next thing we want to do when we're building a garden? We want to prepare the soil a bit, right? We want to set an environment up in where these new seeds of our thoughts, where these new things we're going to claim, where these new plants that represent our, our dreams and our intentions and our goals so that they can flourish in it. And you know, when I think of this, I think again of things literally in our lives that may just not be compatible. Let's say, for instance, that you want to experience greater uh, abundance in your life. And in fact, this is a fairly common one. People will come to me for counseling and say, you know, I'm tired of just getting by. I'm tired of just being barely ahead of the bills that come in. You know, uh, I'm sick to death of the idea that I'm not able to save up some money for the kids' college or whatever it is. Really want to experience more abundance. Well, after I've seen them a couple times, I start getting pretty bold in my questioning. And I'll say, so who are you hanging out with? And they'll say, well, what, what, do you, what does that have to do with anything? 
And I'll say, well, I gotta ask you, if you want to experience greater material wealth in your life, if you want to have more abundance and a feeling of, you know, just always enough, always more than enough, is that the message you're getting from your friends and family? Because if it's not, it's like planting a seed in toxic ground. Think of this, really. If you're in an environment where people are giving you constantly the opposite message, whether it be uh, lack, whether it be hate, whether it be disharmony, whether it be something against your very nature in terms of love and peace and whatever it is, if these are the messages you're getting from the people that you surround yourself with, there is a huge problem here. There is a huge problem here. So take a look at the soil you're going to plant these new seeds in. It may not be appropriate the way it is. You may ultimately have to change things with your family, your circle of friends. You may need to look at what's going on at work and see if there are things that can be done there. Because what I absolutely know, our ideas cannot flourish if we're trying to plant them in an opposite environment. Okay, so that's the planting the seeds or excuse me, that's the preparing the soil. Now comes the fun part. That's the actual planting of the seeds, right? That's going to the nursery, selecting the prettiest ones, the healthiest ones. That's the figuring out whether it's vegetables or flowers, right? Here, here is the kind of fun part. But I want you to be a little bit careful about what you pick. Again, you have this grand design for your garden, right? Don't just stop by Portland Nursery and everything that's blooming right now, buy one of them and jam it in the ground. Do you know what I mean? There's always that urge. And that urge comes with our thoughts, too. We'll, we'll hear someone talk and we'll go, oh my God, listen to them talk about how beautiful opera is. You know, wow, maybe I should really be in training to be an opera singer. Or we'll, we'll, we'll see someone else that, that really is good at, out in the garden and how much they love physically planting things. And we'll say, wow, you know, I've never been interested in gardening before, but take a look at this person. They are doing an amazing job. You know, the trouble with all of these is we're getting that hits of joy, that, that, that glimmer of, 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 of joy and enthusiasm and love from other people. But is that the garden we're growing? Each of us has a very unique, very special, very compelling garden of our own design. And we can't just mix it up with other people's thoughts and feelings, even though they look good on the surface, it may not be for us to be that way. It may not be for us to grow that garden. We have a slightly different one. So choose the seeds, choose the plants in your garden wisely. What are the thoughts, the ideas, the ways of being that will highlight what you want to achieve? You know, what are your dreams of Today and the future, what are your goals for life itself and how life feels? These are the plants, these are the thoughts, these are the new ideas, these are the new beliefs that you want to have in your garden. And i got to tell you, um, Sharon and I covered quite a few tools this week in terms of planting that seed, but prayer is a lovely one. When you hold in your heart a very clear prayer of what you're choosing to accept, this new way of being, this, this new excitement in your life, God simply smiles 
and says yes every time. Every time, and to the degree that you can own it in your heart, to the degree that you can accept it, to the degree that there's fire in your belly when you're envisioning it and picturing it, then God says, hell yes! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like with the clarity, with the specificity, with the true, true, holding it close and dear, when you proclaim what it is you want to experience, God will do whatever the backflips are necessary to have it happen. The only thing you need to do from then on is to make sure that the path is open. Make sure that you're available to receive that good. All right. Next up in, our, in my sort of elaborate metaphor is the water and the fertilizer. And of course, I actually managed to find kind of a cute joke about fertilizer. Uh, yeah, you knew, you knew the sermon was going too well and would have to be interrupted here. Okay, so a farmer was driving along the road with a load of fertilizer, and a little boy playing out in front of the house saw him and called, Hey, mister, what you got in the truck? Fertilizer, said the farmer. What you going to do with it, said the boy. Oh, I need to put it on my strawberries, answered the farmer. Well, the little boy screwed his face up and said, You ought to live with us. We use sugar and cream on ours. (laughs) So I want to ask you, what is the fertilizer that you're giving to your new ideas? Right? We've all wanted to claim, and, and I'm urging us and suggesting that we claim something more, something better, something more special, something more unique, something more authentically you on this very day, and now how are we going to go about taking care of it? We get to make choices, you know, every instant of every day, and the best advice I have around making choices is, is each one each and every one of them in alignment with what your goals are. What this vision of your powerful, powerful life is like. And if it isn't, if it is, those are the decisions, those are the ways of being that will fertilize and nourish these new thoughts, these new ideas, and these new actions. And you know, one of the... uh, One of the things that often in science of mind communities that we talk about is the idea of doing an affirmation. An affirmation is some of the best water in this universe to helping a new way of being grow. So simply come up with some some statements as though they were fact around this new idea or this new way of being being firmly planted in your life. So if it's more abundance you want, some affirmations around, I know that my life is filled up with the people and the resources that I need in every moment. Or maybe it's something like, uh, I know that I have enough money to, to um, pay all of my bills, to share with others, and still have money left over for a rainy day. I mean, you would write some kind of an affirmation that really makes your heart sing. That would be a great way to water an intention for more abundance. And likewise, you can come up with affirmations that would pertain to to love, to joy, to peace, to whatever it is that you want to see more of in your life. Okay. So after the watering and the fertilizing, after a few months, you're going to notice something in your garden. Yeah. Yeah. It's the weeds. 
And you know what? They're not always even obvious when they're first starting. I remember a couple years ago, right in the middle of my chrysanthemums, this thing came up and it was about this high and I thought it was like an ornamental artichoke or something. And you know, for, for, for a while, this is like a, a big thing in people's yards, these ornamental artichokes, because they, they get big and they're very sculptural and they're kind of an unusual color. And, and I thought, cool, this is going to be sweet. And the trouble was, it got this high before I noticed that it was a thistle <laughs> instead of an ornamental artichoke. Yeah, I know, I know. Only me, <laughs> only me. And the trouble then was, not only do I have a weed like this, but you try getting rid of a weed once it gets to this size. I, I cut it off at the ground, it got bushier. <laughs> I dug down and like getting all of the roots was like, like almost, I mean it took me a whole growing season to get rid of this. And you know what, I think of weeds like this as being the basis for some of our addictive behavior. If you think about it, when we first get involved in some kind of a substance or a behavior that is addictive, at first things seem kind of good, right? It's like the few glasses of wine after dinner kind of bring a little more joy and relaxed nature into our life. That first furtive cigarette in high school that I had with some friends was kind of made me feel closer to them. And do you know what I mean? But the trouble is, when weeds like this begin to grow, before you know it, you got a thistle there. And cutting it off at the ground doesn't do the trick. And do you know what I mean? It, it, it's like it has, it's taken on a life of your own, and if you're not careful, your entire garden will be thistles. <coughs> well, certainly this might be a good metaphor for... Um, really substance abuse, but I got to tell you, we also have what I think of as thought abuse. Have you ever got in one of those circulars where your mind just keeps running through the same negative thoughts over and over again? Sometimes it makes me stay awake at night. Sometimes it begins making me think that that, that negativity is even true, whether it's you know, worry about politics, whether it's things going on in my neighborhood, whether it's worry about a, a child or, or a loved one. The trouble with all of these is it represents more weeds in your gardens, more things that, that will crowd out all of the good thoughts, all of the, the good aspirations, the, the goals of things you want to achieve. Before long, all that's left in your garden is just that thistle. And it doesn't have to be drugs or alcohol. It could be workaholism, right? Um, working, again, something that starts out like a good idea. You know, I'm going to earn a good wage here and put a little, in a little overtime so that we can build up a little nest egg for, for the holidays or to put the kids through school. But anything, when it begins taking over your entire life, when your garden is choked full of one thing. I've seen relationships like this too, where pretty soon one of the two partners says something like, uh, well, you know, why are you spending so much time with your friends? You know, why isn't it just us two? I swear to you, anything when it becomes looming so large that thoughts of other ways of being and friends and family and things get crowded out, all of these are weeds in your garden. All of these need to be addressed positively. Okay, 
So pull up those weeds. Do what is necessary, again, for you to keep moving forward with the plan that you came up with at first. That's the key. All right, well, thank heavens I'm about done with this silly gardening metaphor, but I do want to cover just one additional thing. So what's the purpose here? All right, good question. Is it the harvest? Because certainly in the gardening metaphor, right, it's, the, it's either the, uh, you, know, you know, if it's vegetables, it's being able to reap the vegetables in, in the fall, or if it's flowers, maybe it's spring or summer bloom. But do we want to just enjoy harvest time of our lives? See, here's the little trick. Here's the little trick. And this is one of those things, again, that can be very troublesome in life. When I hear people say, well, as soon as the kids have moved out, then I can enjoy my life, right? As soon as I've got the 30 years in the silly pocket watch from working at that company, then we can retire and move to the beach and finally I'll be happy. Haven't you heard people say that? Or, or maybe it's something simple like, uh, you know, when we get done paying for, um, paying for the house or when we get done paying for a college that someone in, then we'll have the money to do what we really want to do. You know, when I hear these stories, big alarm bells go off. And I think of one of my first bosses at the telephone company. Uh, his name was Mr. Corboy. And this was back when you actually called your boss Mr. Something. I mean, this was a while ago, right? So Mr. Corboy had put in 30 five years at the telephone company and he retired with a full pension and that really was back when he got I don't think it was a pocket watch but it was like a piece of jewelry and I mean very honored and revered and he died two weeks later if we put all of our eggs into a basket that's way far off if we're only in the garden because we want the two-week harvest. There is a danger here. Big danger. Enjoy the garden year-round. Enjoy digging in the mud, even in April, right? Even if it requires an umbrella. Even, you know, even if you have to come right in from the yard and take a bath. Enjoy life now. Life is if we're going to use the garden metaphor, is enjoying the garden all year long. Enjoying the weeding, enjoying the planting, enjoying the watering, enjoying, yes, of course the harvest, and even enjoying the winter when there's not much activity going on. This is what I implore all of you, and that is to find the joy, the peace, the love, and the harmony in your life year-round. And when you're developing those plans for the garden, be thinking, now what would bring me joy for all the seasons in my life? What would bring me love no matter what's going on on the outside? You know, how can I experience joy and love and peace even when I'm at work eight hours a day and, and five days a week? How can I experience freedom and that zest for life no matter what's going on? These are the plans that need to go in to your garden of life. So I want to close with another quote from Ernest Holmes. Here's what he says we need to do on an ongoing basis. He says, We must take the science of mind into everyday life 
And when we find ourselves confronted with, by discordant conditions, we should never say, oh, what's the use? What's the use? But instead, rather say, there is something in me which is greater than this condition and it will dissolve it. We have the privilege and the power to do this always. And if we use this ability properly, it will be productive. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe, one master gardener above all that has the full power of complete love, of joy, of peace, of abundance, of love, of, of the wholeness and the wellness of the universe in infinite supply. This is God. This is that ability for all things to be high and lovely. And because this is pervasive, because it means everything, I know it means me, I know that my life has the same access, the same power, the same beauty, the same love, and the same abundance that is present for everyone. Everyone has full access to God's gifts. And so I know on this day and each day forward that it's ever easier for us to have a clear vision of what we want to experience on this planet that we plant those seeds, those thoughts, those ideas of change so that we proactively know what is ahead for us. We choose wisely in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, highlighting and bringing about more of the love, more of the life, more of what it is we choose to experience. And likewise, always we, have find, we find time to enjoy and be grateful for the life we have. And so in high gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I know that life is good and that God says yes. And together we all say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you.